This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. It's never too late to make changes that allow you to have a more meaningful and fulfilling life that reflects who you really are and let go of an image that was created before you even had a chance to get to know yourself. Valeria interviews Kristen Holbrook. She's a registered clinical counselor in Coquitlam, BC. Prior to obtaining her master's in counseling psychology, Kristen worked for several years in the helping profession and completed her degree in psychology. She has always had a desire to work with others and a fascination with understanding what drives people to think, feel, and behave in the ways that they do. Since becoming a counselor, Kristen has counseled in an agency that specializes in trauma and abuse, as well as treatment centers counseling those with concurrent disorders. Kristen established her private practice, Kristen Holbrook Counseling, in 2016, where she works with adults, youth, and couples, treating a wide array of presenting issues. She has since expanded her practice to include a team of counselors with varying specialties. Throughout Kristen's career, she has continued her education through workshops and has received her certification in EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Kristen uses a variety of therapeutic modalities to help her clients work through their presenting issues, resolve past trauma, and break free of unhelpful patterns to reach their highest potential and live more fulfilling lives. Outside of work, Kristen is married and is a mother of two. Meet Kristen at kristenholbrook.com. Here's the interview with Kristen Holbrook. In your own words, who is Kristen Holbrook? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting question because I think we tend to define ourselves through the roles we take on and our personality characteristics, our experiences. Um, and yet I think we are so much more than any of those things. Uh, I will start with that. I am a counselor. Um, I absolutely love what I do. I have a passion for working with people and um, you know, facilitating their self-exploration and overcoming any uh, limiting in ways that they might see themselves uh, to get to know themselves better. Um, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, you know, I take on many different roles in my life. Um, I would say I'm empathetic. I have a curiosity that uh, probably led me into my current career. <laughs> mm, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I, as I say, I think we are much more than that, however. Mm, yes. So, so true. Was there a moment where you kind of identified as the defining moment to become a counselor or it just happened in a way? 
Yeah, I think it was just through my own personal evolution and journey, um, you know, overcoming different things in my own life, um, probably, you know, sent me in that career path. However, you know, throughout my life, I definitely had different ideas of what I might do. Um, so, you know, I think the universe <laughs> kind of mm. takes us where we need to go. And, sure. um, and I yeah. think, you know, sometimes we just have to listen and I think it took mm. me, uh, down this path and it's, uh, been a really good fit and it really aligns with who I am. Mm. Yes. I love that answer. <laughs> I love being guided. There's something about, I know some people, they, they use the word universe as you did. And some people call it the soul, God, whatever it is, life itself. But there's something about listening and being guided that's so powerful, right, Kristen? Absolutely. I think we run into the biggest barriers when we're not listening and uh, we're not really aligning with, uh, you know, our higher self or whatever it is that might be guiding us. Yes, right. And with that in mind, actually, the topic of our conversation today is core beliefs and how they can interfere with getting to know our authentic selves. So I guess this is the the moment to ask this this open question about the authentic self. How would you describe what that is? Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be a, that in itself can almost be a difficult uh, question to answer. I think our authentic self is who we truly are, um, you know, without these ideas or limitations of who we maybe were told that we were or who we thought we were, how we defined ourselves, how, you know, we've been limited by that. Um, so it encompasses, um, you know, our strengths, our, you know, um, as I say, kind of like our higher self, whatever is at the, you know, the true kind of foundation or basis of who we are. Right. Wow. That's so true. It's not easy to describe what that is. I have spirituality as my reference. And then when I think about the authentic self or what we call soul, spirit and all that, all of that together, really, it's mm -hmm. not really, I don't think, I don't think they are separate or they are different. So mm -hmm. it's something that we cannot describe for sure. That's something that I came to understand. Yeah. But it can be felt, right, Kristen? Absolutely. It can be felt like a knowing. Of, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's much deeper than um, how we, you know, as I say, kind of describe ourselves or define ourselves. Mm. And also from my understanding and perspective, it's something that has been always here that never really changed. And it's always not informed our experiences. It's almost like it's this space where experiences happen. So it's always there. It's almost like, you know, some spiritual teachers, they, they call it awareness. Some of them, they call it consciousness. But I don't know if that it's similar to the authentic self. So from my perspective, it's something that is awareness itself. It's knowing that you're alive. So it's mm -hmm. not the experience, but it's, it's that which... It's aware of what's happening, of experience, not mixed with experience because it's able to see experience. Yeah, absolutely. Because I would say experience, um, how we experience something is almost our perception of it, right? Like how we describe an experience is our perception mm. of it. Um, yes. And as you say, it's almost the... yeah. Uh, yeah, the seeing, the witnessing without judgment, without... Um, Defining, yeah. No filters. There's no belief systems. It's just pure. 
And I wonder if it is possible, though, to actually see reality for what is without any filters, without, I mean, we are in the body-mind. We can, yeah. How can we see it, you know, perceive the world without biases? I wonder if we, if we can have that much of clarity. Do you think it's possible? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the human experience often, you know, I mean, we're embodied. So we have those filters, we have our senses that interpret our experiences and our environments. Um, you know, are there people who are able to detach? Um, I think so, right? I mean, I think people who truly, you know, kind of have mastered that art of uh, meditation or, you know, these um, ways of, yeah, detaching. However, I think even those people, you know, they come back to our shared reality. <laughs> mm, yes, yes, right. <laughs> they have to come down, as Ramdas used to say, right? You go up and then you, you come down. Yes, I remember spiritual teachers saying that they were trying to ask him that question. What do you see? How do you perceive reality without any filters, without belief systems, just, you know, in, in its most pure way, form? And he said something like, it's, it's the same, I see what you see, but it doesn't affect me the way it affects mm -hmm. you. So it's almost like being untouched by what chains because you're so connected with that, which doesn't change, which is our true nature, that you're able not to, it's almost like becoming indifferent to experience, mm -hmm. which doesn't sound too good, right? Uh, so, <laughs> with no feelings, no emotions, well, just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it speaks to the detaching, right? Mm, but I don't, yeah. I think that's a, you know, I think part of our human experience isn't necessarily living in that. I mean, perhaps for some people, absolutely. But I think the lessons that we learn um, for a lot of us, um, you know, stem from experiencing life in a different way. Right. Most of us. Yes. <laughs> so with that in mind, too, what is the human experience? What do you feel like that would be if there is such a thing? Yeah, I mean, I think the human experience for, you know, a lot of us is um, evolving, growing, learning lessons uh, through any hardship, through any, um, you know, difficulties we experience, we take the, the lesson from that and, you know, be able to facilitate our own personal evolution. Yes. Would you include in that personal evolution, let's say journey destination slash destination, would that include the sense of happiness and peace? Or would you describe it differently? Would you use different words? Um, I, I think happiness is, you know, I think we tend to strive for happiness, but I don't know that's always what we need to be striving for. It's one of many emotions. And I think if we um, overvalue that emotion, then we might be missing you know, what it is that we can learn from all of these other experiences. Um, but definitely maybe an inner peace, being able to find that inner peace regardless of what we're going through, um, or at least, you know, be able to make meaning out of what it is that we're going through. Mm, yes, uh, beautiful answer. I love that. Yeah, it's, it resonates true to me, inner peace, right? I usually don't think about happiness, but inner peace. I do use the word joy, even my website is, is fit for joy mm -hmm. because yeah. the experiences I had by living in the past, the mind was so, I had a lot of childhood trauma and it was so consumed with the past trying to solve it. And right. it was actually recreating everything, all the suffering Absolutely. over yeah. and over again. 
And then at some point that was realized because I had not done therapy. I definitely should have in a way. It wasn't my path though. It's, it's fused to me today. Mm-hmm. But um, at some point it's just, it couldn't go on kind of uh, living that way. And there was the, um, the realization that I was already fit for joy. I was ready to, to be happy or to be feel better per se. Yeah. So I think the word, I don't know, joy has, for some reason, it feels a bit different than the idea I, of happiness, doesn't it? I agree. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. There's something different about uh, joy and happiness. I think, you know, when we think of happiness, um, you know, we look at all of what we might, all of our behaviors or what we might do to try to be happy. And a lot of them are very destructive. Right. Ah, yes. Because it's mixed up with pleasure or trying to push away pain and going after pleasure. Right. That's addictions, right? They are very good examples of of that. Yeah, absolutely. Another open question I have for you, Kristen, is about mental health. How do you define mental health these days? Yeah, mental health. I mean, you know, I think many people might define it or describe it differently. you know, I think it's the focus really is just on you know, reducing the digitization that, you know, it's had for so many years and recognizing that um, we need to pay more attention to what people's experiences are without, you know, defining as good or bad or, um, you know, it's just kind of looking at, okay, so what is going on for this person? And is there a way to gain more understanding of what we can do to, you know, create more fulfillment, create more self-understanding? Um, you know, cause yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question. Cause, um, I think, I think it's important though, in the sense that, you know, we've given so much focus to physical health for however long. And I think obviously they go hand in hand. Um, but it really is allowing ourselves to recognize that, um, you know, how we feel, how we are experiencing things, how we're defining ourselves is also important. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I love to say the piece of self-knowledge. That to me is crucial. And that goes back to the topic of the authentic self being in touch with our core, let's say, essence of what we are, not even who we are, that has made a huge difference for me. Coming from that place, that feels like very warm. It feels, for some reason, it feels like, oh, every, whatever am I doing, I'm doing now, it feels like, ah, I'm supposed to be doing this. And then there's a smile on my face. (laughs) So that, see, that's to me, I define that as mental health, but spiritually informed anyway. But that's a question for you, too, that I'm curious to know. Do you have any spiritual practices or understandings of yourself in life? Or you you go more in the psychology way? <laughs> um, no, I think they both are so important. I don't think that, you know, in working with my clients, I, you know, I can work with them at any capacity. But for myself, um, my, you know, spiritual self is incredibly important. Um, it's an important part of my own journey. Um, so, you know, when we look at, you know, for example, these limiting beliefs or negative core beliefs, these ways that we define ourselves that are, you know, um, not helpful anymore. Does a person need to be 
spiritual in order to see that these old ways of defining themselves um, are no longer working. Not at all, right? We can we can see why they aren't working, and we can see why um, breaking out of those can be beneficial to creating a more healthy and fulfilling life. But for myself, my spirituality is very important. Um, I, you know. I do believe that there's a higher self. I do believe that, you know, um, you know, what we call like our small self living, the, yes. living this lifetime, this journey, yes. Yes. um, <laughs> you know, uh, and a lot of, you know, what we describe as mental health issues, anxiety, depression, et cetera. I mean, I think that it's actually ego brought up that create some of these problems for ourselves. Uh, yes. I couldn't hear you from, from, from a moment, like for about a second. So all these problems, depression, anxiety, you said it's ego-related or ego? Well, it's the aspect of ourselves that um, that might not be connected to the knowing, yes, right? That, that essence yes. of who we are. Mm, yes, that a lot of us call it the ego, right? The false self. It's true. Do you actually use that word in, in your practice, Kristen? Or are you just using it now? But you usually don't use those terms ego and the false self? Um, so it depends on, you know, how I'm working with the person and where they're at. Cause I'm always, you know, working with somebody kind of with where they're at. Um, but absolutely. I think, you know, I think how we define ego in mainstream yes. <laughs> dialogue uh, yes. can look different than, you know, than, than the ways that I'm using it right now. So I am careful about some of the wording because I don't want it to be misinterpreted. Um, we think of the ego as, you know, this like overinflated sense of self. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's not not uh-huh. the ways in which I, I mean mm. it. So it depends on, you know, who I'm working with and how they might be understanding that. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Another comment I would like to make is that I talked to somebody recently, another therapist, and she said something that I never heard before. She was a psychologist and then she decided to become a coach because she disagreed with diagnosing people with certain kinds of diseases or disorders, illnesses. It's just, she said it would, it makes the body kind of absorb that information and it doesn't work for the body itself. So it's almost like another type of identification. Right. So she really doesn't like the idea of telling people that she works with that they, you know, you're depressed or you have depression or you are, or whatever it is, bipolar, whatever. And, you know, I agree with that, Kristen. For some reason, I was reflecting about what she said and it it makes sense to me. So you're the first person that I'm kind of bringing this up. So how do you, how do you see this? Do you, yeah, talk to me for a moment about this idea of diagnosis and, you know, in identification. Well, it's interesting because as a counselor, we can't diagnose here. Ah, good. (laughs) Um, So it's actually a a psychologist (laughs) or a psychiatrist who would make a diagnosis. As counselors, um, we can only say what symptoms might be presenting that we can work with, right? And I I really am more aligned to my role as a counselor um, because that isn't a part of it. Diagnosing is not a part of it. It's not about, you know, defining someone based on a set of symptoms. Um, It's understanding what their experience is. A lot of these, you know, as you mentioned, like bipolar, uh, anxiety, et cetera. I mean, it's often stems from past trauma and they're just traumatic responses. So let's work with that, right? And um, 
you know, if we can better understand the person as a uh, and their experience in the larger picture, it's much easier to get to a place where the person feels much healthier and um, and just you know, having a better understanding of themselves. Mm, yes. Yeah, you mentioned that before, actually. That's why it reminded me of that comment. Yes, that really, for some reason, it resonates true to me. My husband has a friend who was diagnosed a long time ago with being an alcoholic. And I remember right. when I met him, that's what he said, basically almost the first words out of his mouth that he right. was an alcoholic. And I, I, I mean, I was, my heart kind of, it broke my heart to hear that because it was really sad to hear that from him. And he kept saying that like throughout the, to now, if we meet, he would say that, repeat. It's almost like he is holding on to the diagnose, to that label, the form of healing. It right. was it's very interesting. I, I mean, I try, I talk to him and I, I, I told him many times, do you really know in a who you are or what you are, you're not a label. But right. he would just brush me off and say, no, 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 you don't understand. And I have to say that to myself. So do you work with also people with addictions? And I know alcohol, alcoholism is a different department, I would say, but I would love to hear from you about that. Yeah, I do work with people who have addictions. Um, I agree. I think, you know, if we define ourselves by anything, then it's very hard to break out of that. And we tend to, I mean, for some people, you know, it may be as helpful. It keeps them accountable. It keeps them on track. So I'm yeah. not at all discounting if it's helpful for the individual. I think, you know, each person is different in that way. Right. Um, right. And I think for AA, a big part of their philosophy is, is by, you know, saying it and reminding that person that you're an alcoholic for life, right? That that is, and it keep, I think there is an accountability piece that is part of that philosophy. Um, however, I think, you know, for myself, when it comes back to these limiting beliefs, whether it's, you know, um, the messages we received growing up about who we are or these labels, um, once we, define ourselves by that, then we start to reenact patterns based on that. Um, so, you know, I think it is really important to see ourselves as much bigger and greater than mm. that mm. Um, and be able to, you know, maybe that was something that was a part of our life that we, you know, at one time, but you know, we can evolve and grow and change and mm. yeah. um, be on a greater journey. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear that from you too. <laughs> yes, it, absolutely. Yes. Yes to everything a billion times. Yeah, the labels. And I, I do understand about the accountability piece. Yes, that that's what it sounds like when I'm, I listen to him talking about himself. It's almost as if it, it's better to think that way, that he's an alcoholic, than think that he's a mad person, that he used to drink like somebody without any control and do uh, harmful things. So I guess it's a replacement for that. And it feels better to him. I, I still, every time we meet, I, I tell him, no, you're not an alcoholic. Right. I, I, I know it's not, I have to, it's almost like I can't help it because right. it doesn't it doesn't resonate every time I see him holding on to the labels. Actually, with anyone, myself, this work I do too, not to be as free as possible from labels. So mm -hmm. I guess that has helped me a lot. And that's why perhaps I act this way. But talk to me about your company. You're the founder of Kristen Holberg Counseling. 
the services that you offer there. And I know you have a team of counselors as well. Yeah. Talk to me for a moment about that, Kristen. Yeah, absolutely. So I worked, you know, for a number of years in agency settings and other contacts, treatment centers, et cetera. Um, and then I started my private practice in 2016. Um, and at that time, it was just me, uh, you know, working with youth and adults and couples. And over, you know, time, I uh, expanded and brought on other uh, counselors or associates. I like to call them my colleagues. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, we work a variety of hours, different kind of specialties. Um, and yeah, it's been great. I've got a great team right now and it's, you know, it's nice to have that team setting. Yes, yeah. I love that too, working together, right? As a group. Mm-hmm. And I love that you don't diagnose. <laughs> I didn't yes. know that actually. So this is really great. So let's dive into the topic of core beliefs and how they can interfere with getting to know our authentic selves. So I guess the first question is about beliefs. The one that I have here, positive beliefs and values, are they one and the same? Um, I think values is more what we um, what we value, what we hold, uh, you know, of priority or importance. Um, beliefs are more how we understand ourselves, how we describe ourselves, how we um, define ourselves. So I think they are different. Um, you know, they kind of potentially make up. I think we, you know both are probably internalized from messaging that we've received, right? Yes, um, if, yeah. you know, my something is valued in my family, then I have a greater likelihood that I will also value that um, and will make up my values. But beliefs um, are slightly different in terms of um, the messaging and, and, yeah, what they are. And also the other question is about how to acquire these belief systems, it's always from, I mean, most of them stem from childhood or would you, would you say throughout life we are gathering them? I would say primarily childhood and that's because that's when our, you know, brains are, for, you know, um, the schemas are developing. So it tends to be that these belief systems, um, especially these kind of negative limiting belief systems, they tend to stem from childhood. Um, it doesn't mean that we can't break free of them. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, but if we don't do the work and we don't really bring them into awareness, then we tend to perpetuate patterns in our life that reinforce um, these belief systems. We tend to find evidence to support them mm. and dismiss evidence uh, that contradicts them. So they do mm. tend to become stronger throughout our lives. Um, and that's why wow. they tend to stem from childhood because we're constantly finding information to support it. Um, so we don't really necessarily have new belief systems about ourselves unless we kind of actively are creating them um, because our automatic response is to dismiss anything that doesn't align with these early belief systems. That's amazing. And how do we become aware of them, Kristen? What's the best way to identify these, the negative ones, especially? Yeah. So through our automatic thoughts, so, you know, our self-talk, how we respond to certain situations, we can start to, you know, better understand what might be driving our responses. So for example, um, if I'm, you know, feeling, you know, very strongly about something or I'm behaving in a way where I'm pulling back, then I can look at that and go, okay, so what might be driving that response? 
Um, and then also just digging into our childhood environment, you know, what, what did my parents tell me, um, what was implied, what was my perception growing up. And so that's another way to kind of really unearth what these, uh, beliefs are. I, talk about them as they tend to be in our blind spots. So unless we kind of do the work, it's really hard to be aware of them and bring them forwards. But once we start doing the work, um, they can be much more easily understood. Yes, it is the healing work, right? These belief systems, are they actually, can they be completely removed or you work with replacing them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's generally replacing them unless, you know, we can kind of separate ourselves from these belief systems entirely. So kind of coming back to, you know, that, that essence or that, that kind of knowing of who we are. Um, but sometimes it is just replacing them if it's, you know, um, if I've grown up feeling like I'm a failure because of what was implied or what I was told growing up, then sometimes challenging it and replacing it with something that feels more helpful um, can be a, a strategy. That's really makes sense to me as well. Another question that we, we talked about earlier about guidance, what I do, that's something that's very, it feels very true to me, this idea, the concept that I'm, I'm being guided like mm-hmm. to do this work of podcasting, to write the books I did and connect with people the way I do. Always looking for depth. So I feel guided for some reason. And I have, I have found some evidence for that. <laughs> it's almost like find, finding the evidence for the belief systems. So how do we know yeah. the difference, Kristen, between, you know, if this is coming from guidance or from the higher self or just um, a belief system that's in here somewhere? Um. Well, I think the belief systems, especially these negative ones, they're always just learned. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because yes. we're not, mm-hmm. I think we, we might be guided to do the work, like through experiencing synchronicities or, um, you know, just different things that might be happening in our life that lead us on a path of better understanding uh, these you know, belief systems so we can get more in touch with who we are. But the belief systems themselves, these negative belief systems, I mean, they're never fact. They're always subjective. They're internalized. They are not Mm. our voice. We internalize them like they're our voice. Mm. Um, But Mm. they are, you know, from, learn from the people around us. Um, And sometimes it's just our perception. And sometimes, you know, our parents are wounded themselves and, you know, um, and so, you know, their behaviors or what they're telling us aren't, isn't always the healthiest. Right. And it, it feels like it's always repetition too, isn't it? It's never new, fresh. It's always the same. It has been my observation too. When, when I think about those negative belief systems, it's, they repeat itself and it's not fresh. Not Absolutely. something negative, fresh that I'm feeling. <laughs> I have totally. Been, yes. Is that does it? Is that true? Is that something that am I accurate with that assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that most of them we've been holding on to for a very long time without realizing it. And they've been guiding our behaviors and thoughts for a very long time. And um, they, it's an old dialogue, an old way of seeing ourselves. Um, and uh, as I say, you know, they get perpetuated by our you know, um, because we tend to find evidence that supports it throughout our lives. So they can get stronger and stronger, 
Um, but they're not new. They're not fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really feels that way. Another question I have for you that I have asked some people here, I guess from my own understanding as well, what is the difference between the subconscious and the um, unconscious mind? Any ideas? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people define it differently, like both of those concepts that, uh, you know, you ask different people. Um, you know, I would say the subconscious um, is what's potentially driving some of these behaviors um, and thoughts without us having a, an awareness of it. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, some people believe that the subconscious is, you know, where higher self lays. Um, um, you know, yeah. I know that that some people <laughs> describe it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think it depends on whether, you know, from a psychological standpoint and how it's defined through that versus, you know, other people's understandings of it. That is very true. And, it, you know, the unconscious already kind of self-explanatory in a way. We are not conscious of it, whatever it is. Right. Like, we are not even acting upon it. We're just completely unaware of, of it. Yeah. Which to me, in a way, it is the authentic self. Most of us are really unconscious about the, uh, the authentic self. We are, it's right here, right now, but we are just taking this experience as it is in a sense of mind, body only, and we are ignoring that which is aware of what is changing over the experience. So I really, I don't know, for some reason, well, I'm, my, my research is, my studies, they're all spiritual with that background of meditation, reflection, contemplation. So it's not a psychological one. But the more I talk to psychologists and therapists and counselors like yourself, I see that being the case, that we are actually unconscious to our, our, the authentic self. The, the higher self. We are not yeah. always conscious. We don't, we don't know that's here. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense to you, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think through our lives, we become um, easily programmable just based on, um, you know, the human nature. Uh, and, you know, I think it's our job almost to unprogram some of yes. these things that we've learned to get to know ourselves on yes. a much deeper level. Yes, yes, yes. A billion times to that. And this is why I do the work I do, this of having these conversations and also personally the, the work of going deeper in a sense of uncovering that unconscious, not even the unconscious mind, but what is here that's not easily accessed. It's not, we cannot really uh, kind of bring it to life, which maybe because it's life itself, it can't really be described as we talked before. And that's yeah. very interesting. But there's so much peace in there, Kristen, right? Yeah, I think it's what we learn through our lives, as I say, kind of about ourselves um, that creates these, uh, you know, anxieties, et cetera, that gets in the way of being in touch with that inner peace. Yes, yes. And I love your message on your website, the article you sent to me about that's never too late. So mm -hmm. that's such a, a beautiful message. You wrote, it's never too late to make change that allow you to have a more meaningful and fulfilling life that reflects who you really are and let go of an image that was created before you even had a chance to get to know yourself. That's a profound message for all of us. Yeah. You kind of stopped me in there when a I had to have this piece in here because it's um, really, really, really true. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, I truly believe that. Yeah. 
Do you have clients that are um, over 50? I'm just wondering. Yes. For, you do? Um, yes. That's and beautiful. that's part of sometimes where that message <laughs> yeah. comes from because people will yeah. say, oh, I should have done this, you know, 30 years ago or, you know, maybe it's too late for me. And that's so not the truth. I think, you know, anytime that we can discover ourselves and break free of these limiting beliefs, um, is, you know, that's the time to do it. <laughs> I mean, yes. that's what life is about. If we can do it in our lifetime, mm. then, you know, that's great. Yes. Yeah. You see, that's, that might be, I mean, it sounds to me like the purpose of the human experience, right? To get to know yourself deeper and deeper to the point of finding, or, or at least having a glimpse of the fulfillment, the peace that we already are. It's not separate from us. Absolutely. That's a beautiful message, though. I really wish that for everyone. My husband is 64 and a lot of, and he's very open, but I see also that he's close to certain things. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it becomes a little bit more challenging, right, Kristen, as you get older, because of those belief systems, they become stronger. Yeah, I think they become stronger, more reinforced. And I think sometimes, I mean, obviously it's scary to look yeah. at them, um, but I think for some people too, it's kind of like, the regret or the, the what mm. ifs that come almost with not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, but I think it's really about understanding that everything that we've gone through has gotten us to that place um, of, of that knowing. So there is no going back and doing it sooner. I mean, you needed those life experiences to get you to where you are right now. Mm. Yes. Um, beautifully said, wisely said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I remember hearing this message before, I mean, similar message about going through tough experiences, challenging, painful ones, suffering to be where I am today. And I remember some people, they talk, they, they feel grateful for the experiences they had. I, and I remember kind of every time I heard that, I'm grateful to have been through all these challenges because I am who I am today because of them. So that never resonated true to me. I'm not grateful for all the all the hardships that I went right. through. But the way you put it, it makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, you know, what we call traumatic growth. So it's not yeah. that we ever wish trauma <laughs> upon anyone, nor do we wish it upon right. ourselves. Gosh, yeah. um, but when we initially go through it, we can feel broken, damaged, a victim, you know, all of these things. And then over time, when we can make meaning of it, when we can grow from it, then we can see our strength and our resilience. We can relate to people in a different way. Um, potentially, you know, become an advocate. So there's so much growth that comes from it. And I think what people are grateful for is that growth that comes from it because they might have not reached that point without the trauma, but I don't think anyone necessarily, or, you know, I don't think anyone wishes trauma <laughs> yes. to get to that point. <laughs> In order to grow, right? Yes. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, yes. That, that way sounds so much better to me. <laughs> So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, I'd like to mention this, that I loved our conversation. I love how spontaneous you. you are. <laughs> You're very open to these questions that sometimes just come up to me in the moment. Thanks. So thank you for being open. And yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. I love your laughter. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> thank it's, you. It's really contagious. I'm like all over the place in myself <laughs> with the, <laughs> when, I, when I hear you laughing. So, and, oh yeah, Kristen, do you offer services, counseling services in person, groups, a corporation online or only some of them? 
in person and virtually. Yeah. So I do have an office where we see uh, clients in person, but for convenience, obviously, um, we offer the virtual counseling as well. Okay, that's great to know. I have the website here. Let me see if I put it in. No, I didn't. I usually have at the end of my notes, but I do have your website here. So it's kristenholbrook.com. Is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. So I'll have the website on the podcast notes. But my ending questions, I'll ask you this one that I usually ask everyone for some reason. It feels meaningful to me. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Yeah, um, I guess oh, three experiences. Um, you know, having a chance to maybe really understand the difference between these past belief systems that they may have learned versus that inner peace or knowing. So, you know, just being able to kind of separate those two. Um, you know, just experiencing love at its, you know, kind of almost highest frequency. Um, and to be able to, you know, maybe make meaning out of the experiences that they have had, you know, learn, grow, um, to not get stuck in them. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love your wisdom. It, they, they, they are timeless to me. Love is a big one, isn't it? Being mm-hmm. able to feel love. Thank you so much, Kristen, again, for your presence and our shared reality for everything that you're doing. It's really close to my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we'll talk again. Take good care and we'll be in touch again. Bye for Great. now. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kristen Holbrook and her work, please visit kristenholbrook.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.